All right. Hey, thanks for joining us online this morning. And for those of you who are here, what a blessing to me. Um, we're in a series this holiday season. Uh, we're talking about glory to God in the highest. It was the announcement that the uh, angels made uh, to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born. They're recorded in Luke chapter 2. And you know, in the, in the midst of uh, the, the rising uh, COVID cases here locally, I think we had 135 last week. So as, as much as we're tired of wearing masks and social distancing, I want to encourage you to be careful this next week as you uh, meet with family members and love on one another a little uh, bit. Uh, in, in spite of government lockdowns and frustration, can I just say glory to God in the highest? I really feel like that needs to be our attitude in the midst of what we're doing. How many know that this world is not our home? I mean, we live in it, we love people, we care about our nation, uh, but, but the truth is, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're part of another kingdom, and you have a, another king. His name is Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest. In a, you know, this holiday season, we get to celebrate, of course, his birth. We get to celebrate all he's done for our lives. And I don't know about you, but I believe that God is still at work in the world today here, uh, of course, in our lives individually and here in our community. This morning, I'm going to uh, start out with a short video uh, put together by Pregnancy Hope Center. Uh, it's about four clients uh, whose lives uh, have experienced pretty amazing change as a result of uh, the ministry of Pregnancy Hope Center. And uh, Pregnancy Hope Center is one of the ministries here locally that we want to support with our uh, Christmas Conspiracy offering. I had someone ask me, how do I give directly to Christmas Conspiracy for Guatemala we talked about last week? And if you're someone using push pay right now uh, with a digital uh, giving program, there's a place on PushPay where you can pick where it goes. Mine normally says tithe on it, so it goes directly uh, to the church here. But you can click on the little arrow there, and it'll jump down to missions or designated. Click on designated, and then there's a little line where you can specify and type in Christmas Conspiracy or Pregnancy Hope Center or Guatemala. One of the things that we'll mention during this, this uh, season uh, as we mentioned them, if you're interested in giving something directly to one of them, just mark it there on the specify, uh, whether it's just Christmas conspiracy in general or Guatemala, and we'll make sure uh, that it gets there with our offering this season. So af after we watch this video, I've asked Terry Klein to come. Uh, Terry Klein is the uh, executive director of Pregnancy Hope Center. She's uh, part of our church family, has been for for several years, and uh, I've asked her to share a little bit about what the center does on a weekly basis. We're going to get a chance to see who it ministers to in the video, but uh, also we'll, we'll learn a little bit about what it does on a weekly, monthly, and, and yearly basis. And then I've asked her to share a little bit about her own testimony, because uh, God actually called her from what I thought was a pretty significant career up at Jeldwin. She was the uh, communications director for a pretty large corporation uh, worldwide, and uh, yet she felt a calling uh, to fulfill God's call as a mom, and uh, eventually then uh, uh, as the leader, executive director of, uh, of Pregnancy Hope Center, and 
one of the things I want to emphasize this morning is that we all have a story. In fact, the title this morning is Your Story for God's Glory. And we're going to talk about that a, a little bit this morning eventually. But uh, let me say a prayer. And uh, then we'll watch a video and uh, allow Terry to share. And then just we'll look at the scripture a little bit. Jesus, here this morning. Lord, it's so easy for us to feel unqualified, so easy for us to feel insignificant. Lord, sometimes we feel shamed uh, because of maybe things in our story. <laughs> but Lord, there's something about our story for your glory. And Lord, as we set ourselves uh, this holiday season, unto him be glory. Lord, you say in the scripture, glory to God in the highest. Lord, as we think about that this season as we think about it. Lord, I ask you to speak to each one of us as we think about our own story this morning and what it is you want to do and what it is you want to accomplish through our lives. So, Lord, pray blessing on this video that you just give us your heart for people. And, Lord, blessing as Terry shares this morning. We thank you so much for her. Uh, be glorified as we share this morning. In Jesus' name, could we all say amen? Amen. Let's watch.
Good morning. So I am Terry Klein and the director at the Pregnancy Hope Center and actually I've been part of KCC for 24 years, which is weird because I'm only 29. So um, but I'm really thankful that Pastor Scott and Cheryl arranged for the Pregnancy Hope Center to be part of Christmas Conspiracy this year. Um, I, I would like to share a little bit about how I became involved in Pregnancy Hope Center, a um, little bit about my story, not because I've done really anything spectacular um, in that time, but because I think my story shows how um, masterful God is in redeeming our failures and how he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. By the time I was 21 or 22, I had two very close friends who experienced an unplanned pregnancy. And their responses to their circumstances were very different. Their outcomes were very different. Um, but I knew in both situations when I was kind of engulfed in it that I was woefully unprepared to be a help to them or to be a good witness to one of them. And those friendships and my own failures during college and shortly thereafter, some of the mistakes that I made, really helped me examine my own beliefs about um, when life begins, about abortion. And most of all, God used those experiences to give me a heart that could respond compassionately to people who were facing unplanned pregnancies or people who had just lost their way because I could relate. When I was uh, finishing up graduate school, which really I didn't actually finish, but that's a different story, um, I was in Southern California and I went to a nice church there and they did a call for volunteers for a new pregnancy center that was gonna be starting somewhere near Santa Monica and I did all this training, weeks and weeks of pretty intensive trainer training. The lady who was leading it was a doctor of psychiatry and she had really good training. Um, but before the center opened, I got a job at Geldwin here in Klamath Falls and moved before using any of my training. So at the time, I kind of just thought, well, that was kind of a waste of time. Um, maybe I just was doing that because I felt guilty about how I didn't really help my friends, or um, maybe I just needed to wake up call or whatever, but I kind of thought it was a waste of time since I moved away and moved to this little town, and I was just sure they didn't have anything like what was going to be in the big town of Los Angeles. But uh, now I know that that was just the beginning, and I learned that there was a center here in Klamath Falls, a very small one. Um, Tammy worked there. And uh, I started volunteering a couple of hours a week while I was working at Geldwin. And some of you may know Vern and Judy Reynolds. They're part of our church here. They've been here for about 10 years. And they became the leaders of the Pregnancy Hope Center with a tremendous amount of experience. And um, apparently the very first day that I met Vern and Judy, I was actually sitting on the floor in our center dealing with baby bottles and they came in. And that night, Vern told his wife, that that Terry girl, she's going to lead the Pregnancy Hope Center when we're no longer involved. He didn't tell me that, but he did tell Judy. And she said to him, 
Well, she has this big career at Geldwin. That's kind of a long shot, Vern. Don't get your heart set on it. Um, I don't know why she would leave Geldwin. What they didn't know is that I really did have a heart to have a better work-life balance. The, my job at Geldwin, even though I loved it, um, was hugely encompassing. And I, did, I had to travel a lot. I was away from my, my husband and my kids a lot. And I really wanted to be home more. In fact, one point, uh, I considered quitting altogether. And um, I asked my small group, uh, members of this church, to pray for my decision because I was, I was ready. I was going to quit and be a stay-at-home mom. And um, some of you may know Barbara Wired. She prayed about it all week after our meeting, and she came up to me the next week, and she said, Terry, I prayed about it, and you are not supposed to quit Geldwin right now. And I was like, what? Did you really pray? Um, I was really irritated, but... Um, I also asked for wise counsel, and I've known Barbara since I was 14, and I thought, I'm going to listen to her. And I didn't give my boss the speech I had prepared to quit. And four days later, my husband lost his job. Very unexpectedly. It was when Harvest Ford quit, and, or closed, and nobody knew it was coming. Um, and he was unemployed for over a year. And so my job sustained us. And... After my husband went back to work, I started praying again that maybe now's the time I get to be a stay-at-home mom. And I didn't tell my husband that I had been praying this. I actually prayed it for a couple of months because um, I didn't want to add to his stress. He was new at his job, and I didn't want to make him feel like he, you know, I don't know. He, he was new, and he doesn't like change. So I uh, didn't say anything. And then at Christmas time. He looked at me right in front of the kids at dinner time, and he said, you know, I think it's time you quit your job at Geldwin now. And I could not believe it. Couldn't believe it. So we immediately started making financial plans to be able to do it and um, had a new speech for my boss all prepared to quit. And uh, I mentioned it to Vern and Judy because I was still volunteering at the Hope Center. And I mentioned it to them that I was getting to quit my job at Geldwin. And Vern immediately said, how would you like to work here just 12 hours a week, just while your kids are in school? And I said, well, Vern, I'm quitting so I can quit and be at home. And he's like, come on, 12 hours a week. Your kids are in school. You can do this. And he was right. So I did. And I started working in the office 12 hours a week. And the other thing Vern and Judy didn't tell me, of course, was that he had been hoping that I'd become the director so he didn't tell me that until about six months before they decided to retire. And then he let me know. And that was also when he told me that he knew about it way back when. And my story really isn't about how I, you know, sacrificially quit to become part of a ministry. But it's really about how God works out a thousand details behind the scenes and puts ordinary people like me with all of our failures and all of our shortcomings in places where he can get the glory because it's clear that only he could have orchestrated things like that. So I'd like to spend the rest of my time telling you more about the Hope Center, what we do. Uh, we were founded on the core belief that uh, a unique and sacred life is created um, at the time of conception and that little human is made in God's image. 
And we get this from many, many scriptures in the Bible, but one of them that I just really think is beautifully written is in Psalms 139, and it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And it's because of this belief in human life being sacred right from the beginning that Pregnancy Hope Center came to exist and created a four-part mission. The first part is to offer help and hope to women and now men who are facing an unplanned pregnancy through education, compassionate counsel, and practical resources. Uh, the second part is to present sexual abstinence as a positive lifestyle for singles. The third is to provide an opportunity for healing and restoration for those who have been hurt by a past abortion. And the fourth is to present Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And so everything that we do at the Pregnancy Hope Center is free of charge. We don't bill insurance or anything like that. So we do pregnancy testing. We give out prenatal vitamins. Uh, we do baby's first ultrasound. Um, we make referrals to licensed adoption agencies. We offer pregnancy and parenting classes through which they can earn lots and lots of things to get prepared for the baby. And, um, and we provide a lot of um, other kind of community referrals because really there are a lot of wonderful organizations here in Klamath Falls. So Pregnancy Hope Center, I, I hope this is clear, we don't perform abortions or refer for them. Um, each woman who visits the center gets a pregnancy test, who needs a pregnancy test, and gets an opportunity to share her story and talk with um, one of our client advocates one-on-one. -on -one. And our client advocate, a volunteer, is really trained to listen. Um, they're also trained to connect her with a lot of resources, but also to share the gospel, to pray with her, um, and to let her know that she's someplace where she can come back again if she needs help for in the future, and that she's not alone. So about 75% of our pregnant clients end up wanting an ultrasound through us, and at the ultrasound they can typically see um, a little heart beating, even just at eight weeks. The heart actually starts beating at 22 days after conception. So it's a lot earlier than, than most people realize. But it is hard to see because it's so tiny. So at about eight weeks is when we like to do the ultrasound and they can, we can measure baby, we can um, show her that heartbeat and it's very pronounced. So each year we do about 350 or so pregnancy tests. Um, we see women, I think our age range is about 14 all the way up to 51 who we've seen so far. Um, but really most of the people who come to us are in their 20s. And we really do serve the most needy women in our area. Um, but here's a statistic that I think might surprise you. Um, there was a survey that CareNet did years, uh, just about four or five years ago. and they asked women who had had an abortion in their past a series of questions, and one of them was whether or not they were believers and how often they had gone to church. 
And what they found is that one in four of the women who had had abortions were Christians at the time that they had their abortion and were regularly attending church. And so I say that because I want to encourage you to not think about this issue as something that happens to other people. Although young single women are more likely to come and use our services, um, the reality is, is that abortion nationwide happens within married couples, churched families, wealthy and lower income families, educated and less educated people. It's just not an other person problem. And when we train new volunteers at the Hope Center, um, one, of the, one of the biblical teachings that we really try to focus on to orient our new volunteers is Jesus' example when he had his interaction with the woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And in John 8, we see the religious leaders of the time dragging her to Jesus in a mob, wanting to humiliate her and wanting to humiliate Jesus as well and get him to say something that would make everyone angry. But in verse 7 in John 8, he looks at the mob of his accusers, of her accusers, and says, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus literally saved her from death, and he showed her mercy. And that's what we aim to do at the Hope Center. When someone is in the middle of a scary crisis, showing them love and mercy gets them through that situation and paves the way for their hearts to be softened and open to hearing about Jesus and his redemption and his forgiveness. I'd like to share a little bit about Mercy with one of our clients that we saw this year. She and her boyfriend came in and they told us that they needed a pregnancy test and they were definitely ending the pregnancy. They were going to go get an abortion. And um, the reason was because she was positive that her mom would kick her out of the house if she found out she was pregnant. And we have resources we can point her toward if she truly is going to be kicked out of her home. There are places that we can connect her with so that she wouldn't actually be homeless. Um, but as we talked with her, losing her housing wasn't really the problem. The problem was she didn't want to disappoint her mom she didn't want to lose that relationship. She didn't want to lose her mom's love. And so she worked with her client advocate that day on how to tell her mom, even though she had it in her mind that she, there was no way she could tell her. But her client advocate just said, well, let's just explore this a little bit. Let's see what that conversation could look like. And so they practiced in the counseling room that day. And um, when she left, our client advocate was not sure what was going to happen. Um, but we prayed for her. We sent out our email to our instant prayer team and asked people to pray, and I know probably more than 100 of you did. Um, and we got a call about a week and a half later from
from the young lady saying, I told my mom, and she embraced me. And her mom's response was like that of Jesus's. That baby was saved, and so is the relationship between the mom and the daughter. And honestly, we see this time and time again. One of the things that's really exciting um, in the last year at the Hope Center is that we've added an, another element to our services, and that is that not only do we get to meet one-on-one -on -one with women, but if their boyfriends or their husband or a friend who's a guy comes in with them, we have a couple of male client advocates who will now meet with those young men as well. And they are encouraged to hear that their voice matters, that their leadership matters, their fatherhood matters. And I'm so excited to be able to um, expand our services that way. It's been a learning curve because our volunteers are used to talking to women and the women are coming in to get you know, a pregnancy test, that's expected. But the guys are coming in kind of like unwittingly thinking, you know, they're just going to sit in the lobby while all this happens. And we approach them, and about 80% of the men say yes, they would like to talk with a guy about it. And that just blesses my heart so much. Another area that we focus on that we get questions about is that the Pregnancy Hope Center is also here to help prevent unplanned pregnancy. We have a variety of community outreach presentations and educational seminars designed to reduce the occurrence of unplanned pregnancy and to help teens um, develop a respect for their own bodies and for the sacredness of marriage. So most years we reach hundreds of young people with a positive message about waiting for intimacy. And the church body within KCC has been tremendously supportive to Pregnancy Hope Center over the years. We have several volunteers from this church. Pastor Scott was on our board for a while. Um, and, you know, usually every year we do the baby bottle drive, which unfortunately we couldn't do this year here. Um, but your support has helped um, our center pay for our rather high visibility location on uh, Washburn Way. It's helped us pay for our ultrasound machine, which is now seven years old, and we're getting ready to hopefully buy another one in the next 12 months. And it also helps to pay for a nurse manager because we are a medical facility and we have a lot of protocols that we need to follow, and so we have a really wonderful nurse manager that keeps us on the straight and narrow. But your support literally saves lives, not just babies' lives, but the moms and the dads too. So thank you. Thank you. That's so good. Wow. That's so good. Oh, man. I so appreciate uh, Terry sharing a little bit about Pregnancy Hope Center because I don't know that we all know all the things that are taking place. And Terry, thank you for sharing a little bit about your life and and what your spiritual journey has been like a little bit. You know that everything God does in the world, he starts in a person. Uh, God begins to work in a person's life and uh, uh, eventually we begin to see him working through that life to touch the world. So I want to ask you a question here uh, this morning. What's your story? 
because I believe your story is more significant than you think and often we're shamed by our story. We look back at maybe things that happened to us unwillingly uh, in our home growing up, maybe in a back alley somewhere or, or whatever, maybe in the back of a car. We, we live in a world where a lot of um, un, injustices, let me use that word, happen. On, on a regular basis in, in people's lives. And, and so many times we think that our past disqualifies us from the story that will glorify God through our life. And I, I just want to encourage you this morning that God wants to use uh, your story. I, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Freedom Riders. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, I want to encourage you to go on uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime and, and watch it. It's a great movie. It's PG-13, by the way, so I think it's pretty safe for you adults and certainly for uh, teens as well. It's based on a, a, a teacher's life. Her name is Erin uh, Gruwell, and uh, she's a fresh college graduate. She's assigned uh, the first, uh, her first assignment is in a school in Long Beach, California. This is a uh, an interracial school. It's highly divided. There are Latino gangs. There are black gangs. There are Cambodian gangs. Uh, there's a lot of violence. Most of these kids have had uh, have people in their in their family that are in jail or have been shot, or all of them have been to just horribly traumatic. Uh, experiences in their life and she's trying to teach them freshman English which they could care less about. Uh, mo most of the school, most of the teachers have given up on these kids. They don't buy them books because they'll never get read and they'll never be returned to the school. Uh, it's, just, it's just a place where uh, there's a horrible amount of dysfunction and Erin uh, will not give up. She has a desire to reach these kids. And uh, one day she has an idea. She decides to buy them uh, like a three-ring binder or a little notebook. Uh, the school won't buy them because they won't waste the money. So she gets a second job and starts earning money to help these students with books and, and with uh, uh, notebooks. And so she buys these notebooks for all the kids and she gives them an assignment to, to write in this notebook 15 minutes a day, just 15 minutes a day. What I want you to do is write about your life, write about your story, and write about your feelings, things you've been through in your life. Just 15 minutes a day, write it down. She said, I promise you, I won't read it. This is just a chance for you to express uh, what's happened in your life and how you feel. Uh, but if you want me to read it, I'll read it. <laughs> she put it on this shelf. She said, they won't be graded, so don't be afraid about what you're going to talk about. Just write. And so they start writing, and uh, she's amazed. One day, she looks in the place where these little notebooks are stored, and it's full. They all want her to read about their story. And she, start reading, she starts reading, and she's absolutely shocked at the, the pain these kids have been through, the loss and the difficulty and the struggle. And uh, 
what's amazing as these kids begin to open up, they begin to realize that everyone else in the class has similar kinds of stories, whether they're Latino, whether they're black, whether they're Cambodian, it doesn't matter. They have all experienced similar kind of pain. And as they open up, it starts drawing them together and they literally become a family uh, in, in this class over the, the next uh, four years. And uh, it's an amazing movie. I'll encourage you to watch it. But it's really true. Sometimes we feel like we're the only one. And because of my story, uh, people will never really understand what I've been through. Could I just encourage you? God does, because Terry talked about it. He knew you in your mother's womb, and he knew your days before uh, there's, th- there was one. And the, the scripture I want us to look at this morning is in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. This scripture is in the context of a different picture of the Christmas story. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit this morning. But uh, let me start out with just a Revelations chapter 12, uh, verse 11. Uh, Excuse me, verse 11. It says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. Let me read it again. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. It says they overcame him. Who's the him? Well, if you're familiar with Revelations chapter 12, the him there is Satan himself. And in the picture in Revelations chapter 12, Satan is pictured as a dragon. And one of the things, if you'll read verse 1 through about verse 13, this dragon, this picture of the dragon, is a whole different picture of the Christmas story. It's a picture of the dragon waiting for a child to be born. And, and, and we know that that child that is going to be born is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Remember in Genesis, God promised that through the seed of the woman that uh, Satan would strike his heel, but he would crush Satan's head. And so we see this picture. It's a picture of the Christmas story from a different perspective of the dragon, Satan, waiting for that child to be born. And and we know when we read the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2 that uh, shortly after Jesus was born, uh, of course, uh, Herod, King Herod, had all the children uh, under two years old in Bethlehem uh, killed because he was trying to kill uh, the, the new king that the wise men uh, promised w- was coming. And, and so we see his desire to kill the child. And of course, uh, thankfully, uh, Joseph and Mary uh, fled uh, to Egypt and the child was saved. So then the dragon, uh, Satan, turns on the church, his people, his followers in Genesis chapter 12 and seeks to destroy them. And when you read it, there's a phrase in there you probably remember. He's, he's <laughs> terribly angry because he knows his time is short. And in verse uh, 10, it refers to him as the accuser of the brethren who accuses them day and night. <laughs> And then verse 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. Do you know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ that God has rewritten your story because of the blood of the lamb? 
It's the blood of the Lamb that changes everything for your life. And when you think about your story, you think about some of the difficulties that might uh, prevent you from fulfilling God's purpose, or maybe you think about some of the shameful things that are part of your history. <laughs> they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. It's the power of his blood. <laughs> You know, I love the Christmas story. I love this picture of the manger, and of course, I love the animals, I love the star. But the truth is, Jesus was born for a reason. <laughs> he was born to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And it says uh, in, in, I think it's in uh, Colossians chapter 2, about verse 13 through 15. It says uh, that through the cross that God took the certificate of debt. So here's a page of my notes I already used, okay? <laughs> but there's a whole list of things on this page, okay? It says in Colossians chapter 2, God took the certificate of my debt, a list of decrees against me, sins that I've committed, things that I have done. He took that certificate of my debt and he ripped it up. He literally eliminated it and nailed it to the cross. See, you are guilt-free because of Jesus Christ. And I think that's one of the hardest things for us to accept in our soul, that we are guilt-free, that we overcame him. His, Satan's mind and heart was to destroy your life from the day you were born, to destroy God's purpose for your life. But God wants to restore his purpose for his glory for all eternity. And that's what Christmas is all about. And it starts with Jesus' birth, but it begins to be fulfilled in your rebirth through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's through your life as he begins to fill you with the Holy Spirit and restore your purpose, God begins something in you that will change the world. That's what brings glory to him. It's your story for his glory. Uh, yesterday, we were driving home from the Dalles, okay? We hate to say it here. We probably broke the governor's freeze order. I don't know, but we wanted to see Cheryl's mom and uh, her stepdad uh, for the holidays so we ran up this week before things got tightened down too much so we could see them and have thanksgiving but we were driving home and uh, as we were driving Cheryl was driving and I was working on this but <laughs> got to read on Facebook a brother in our church who I deeply love he posted on Facebook that yesterday was his four-year anniversary four years of sobriety four years since he's drank any alcohol in his life and I remember walking through that with him. I remember uh, when he told me in the hallway in the church here that he was going through treatment. I didn't even know he drank. He hid it so well. And what I was so proud of, first of all, I'm uh, amazingly proud of him. Because it's not, it's not easy to change. It's not easy to stop something that's had a hold on your life for, for a, a number of years. And I called him last night and I told him how proud I was, asked him if I could share a little bit of his story today. 
but uh, I'm so proud of him because it's not easy to begin to move forward. In fact, it's a day-by-day, step-by-step process if you're getting free from, from alcohol or drugs or some kind of addictive behavior. Or for some of us, you know, it's so easy to point to the biggies, the things that are so obvious in society. It's so easy to point to those. But some of us have guilt we, we have resentment toward things that have happened in our life. We have addictive emotions uh, that come out in anger or, or rage or lust or, or whatever. And it's a walk. It's a journey. It's a day-by-day. I've been saved for 45 years, and I'll be the first one to tell you, it's a day-by-day journey. I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done for us because we overcame the enemy's scheme by the blood of the lamb. That's so important. We don't have any other hope. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And I hope you'll say amen with me on that. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. I trust in the power of the blood every day in my life and every day in my soul. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And this is what is so important. I think the enemy wants to diminish the significance of your testimony. You're declaring your faith to others. You know, people in our world need to know God is alive. And if you hide your testimony, how will they know? We only have two stories to share. We have God's story and we have our story. And our story is the story that declares to the world that Jesus is alive, that he did raise from the dead, and that he does make a difference. That he is fulfilling a purpose and a plan that he had for your life before the foundation of the earth. And without sharing your testimony, the others won't know. We overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of, my tes- of our testimony. And your testimony is so important because you have to remind yourself sometimes, almost on a weekly basis, of all the things that God has brought you through. A different paradigm where he, he helped you recognize your need for a savior and need for forgiveness. A, a different paradigm where he, he, he helped you realize that you didn't have to stay stuck in homosexuality or, or promiscuity or addiction to pornography or, or whatever it is in your life. You see, we live in a real world. And Satan is at work in the world to destroy us. And so many people, possibly ones that we got to see as clients on the video this morning, had no idea of what God had done for them. No idea that they could have a fresh start. No idea that they could be forgiven. No idea that God had a purpose and a plan for their life that was hidden through all the difficulties and failures and insecurities and fears uh, that they have in their life. (laughs) We overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we loved not our life even unto death. I want to encourage you as we go here. I want to encourage you to celebrate three things this holiday season. I want to encourage you to celebrate your testimony. Don't be ashamed of it anymore. Don't be afraid of what you've been through. (laughs) Celebrate your testimony. And the second thing I want you to do is share it with others. Declare your testimony. 
I'm so thankful, uh, like uh, Terry mentioned, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And you know that word causes, God causes, means he literally reshapes and transforms. God takes what happened to us. And you know, I've been a a pastor for 33 years now uh, here, here in Klamath Falls, and I've heard a lot of stories. I know a lot of people. And of course, all those stories are confidential unless I ask permission from them. But I can tell you, there are people that come to church every week that have amazing stories. And, you know, we look at them drive in and they've got this beautiful car and they have these beautiful clothes and they look like they have it all together. Their kids even are acting halfway great that Sunday morning <laughs> that you see them. And you think they haven't been through what you've been through. You think sometimes that their life is maybe better or more perfect or this, there's this subtle, I call it a sin of comparison where we have a tendency to compare our life with others and as soon as we do, we give up because we don't think our life could ever be like theirs. See, God causes all things. He reshapes, he transforms, he causes all things to work together for good. They're part of his story. Don't be ashamed of your story. I want to encourage you to celebrate it. And I want to encourage you to declare it. The third thing I want you to know is that your story, what God has begun in you, will never end. It's never going to end. Uh, my wife, uh, one of her favorite songs is uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Glorious Unfolding. And the idea behind the song is that this is only the beginning. There's going to be a glorious unfolding. You know, when Jesus was born, it was only the beginning. When he died on the cross, he declared, it is finished. That had to do with uh, the battle against Satan. It had to do with the effects of, your, of sin in your life. That's all been defeated. But it's only the beginning because the effects of that are going to be worked out for his glory for all eternity. God is going to reshape and he's going to transform uh, for, for all eternity what God began in you. There's going to be a glorious unfolding. What God began in your family, in the life of your children, in people you pray for, in the workplace, there's going to be a glorious unfolding. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on out, and uh, we're going to sing uh, a song that we sang this morning. Uh, before we go, but bef before we do, uh, if, you're, if you're at home and you're watching online, uh, if there's someone close by, maybe you're watching with a spouse or a friend or maybe your kids, uh, maybe they're uh, young, maybe they're teenagers, uh, I want to encourage you to reach out and grab their hands. I think that would be safe at home uh, for some of us in the sanctuary. If you're with your family, of course, that would be safe. You could reach out and grab your hand. And I just want to declare this morning, your story is for God's glory. Glory to God in the highest. During this season that we're walking through, God is still at work. So thankful for Pregnancy Hope Center, and the calling on Terry to help lead and direct that, use her gifts and talents, abilities. I'm so thankful that God uses us individually in unique ways. 
you're not neighbors next to those people for no reason. You're, you're not working in that cubicle for no reason. You're not working in that school or stationed out at uh, the air base or working up in the hospital for no reason. God wants you to share your story for his glory. So I just want to pray for us here this morning before we go. Lord, as we enter this season, time of Thanksgiving this week, Lord, would you help every one of us, Lord, carve out some time. Just thank you for our story. Lord, things that you brought us through, things that are, uh, have been forgiven. The slate's been wiped clean. Lord, things that happened to us that hurt us, or they're part of your story and you use them to develop compassion in our life. You, you use them to develop empathy in our hearts for other people. You work through even evil things and wicked things for your kingdom glory and honor. So, Lord, we want to offer our lives to you. We love not our lives even unto death. <laughs> we want them to be surrendered to you, Jesus. We want you to work through them for your kingdom, glory, and honor. We thank you for that here this morning. Thank you for your presence and love. Pray these things in Jesus' name. And could we all say amen?